Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, today. Thank you so much for uh, singing happy birthday to me. That's kind of amazing to experience. But yeah, today is my birthday, and it wouldn't be... Uh, birthday without some balloons. So uh, if you're new here, my name is John. I'm lead pastor. I'm glad you came today. This is the second week in a series where we're taking some time to, uh, to go through Romans chapter 8 for a month or so together. So I hope you'll catch up with the first week. It, it kind of builds one week after the other. But I want to begin today just, uh, just with this. I, got, I have a couple of balloons here. And these balloons... Uh, you know, both of them are, are nice and, and shiny and have a nice, nice green uh, ribbon on them. And they're both uh, fun to look at and kind of festive and fun to bounce around and have a good time with. I mean, it's kind of hard to look at balloons and just be grumpy, right? Like you got something inside of you goes, oh, okay, all right. So I got my balloons and um, they're, both, they're both wonderful things and they look the same, but they're not the same. They have something different on the inside. Like w- w- with one of these balloons, I, I, if, if, I, if I'm this balloon, all the time I'm going to have to be uh, trying to balance everything on my, on my own initiative and try to keep it from falling all by myself and try to keep it going and keep it moving around because uh, all, all it's got inside of it is its own air. But this one, come on, you knew what I was going to do. Come on, this one, come on, this one, it flies on its own because it's got something different inside. Say something different inside. Say it. Something different inside. Say that. Something different inside. Something different inside. Yeah, it's called helium. Anyway, we got, we got something different inside. And that's what I wanted to start with today is I want you to remember that, that picture, those two that were the same, but one just had something different about it. And that's a picture of you. Amen. You've got something different inside. Let me ask you, did you ever give your life to Jesus? Anybody? Did you ever, have you said yes to Jesus? I mean, have you ever turned in humility and said, Jesus, would you forgive my sins and save my life? Anybody at all, right? Then it's a settled issue. Romans 8, 11 is true about you. And it says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. There's no question about this. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it. It doesn't matter whether you even agree with, uh, well, I don't know if I want to be one of those crazy charismatic people. It doesn't matter. This is the truth from God's perspective. You said yes to Jesus. This is true about you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I want you to read this verse with me. Say it. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This time, say it one more time and flip it to make it personal and say me. Ready? Go. Say, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. This is the truth about you. What that means is that you've got a lifting power in your life. That when things look bleak, something inside of you is drawn towards expecting and believing for a breakthrough. You've got a lifting power inside of you in the spirit. And because of that, when when you're facing impossible odds, something inside of you has a boldness and a courage to say, yeah, well, but I believe that my God said, with my God, all things are possible. And so I'm not giving up. And like we sang earlier, I won't be going under. 
Like when, when you've got this lifting power of God within you, you, you've got the gravity of life pulling you down, and it has that effect. But at the very same time, at every turn, you have the goodness of heaven pulling you up. Amen. And, and I, I want to just declare that today. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It never stops. It doesn't stop because you stumbled and did something foolish. It doesn't stop because uh, you, you got all full of your own pride for a moment and missed the It doesn't stop because you forgot to attend a certain number of Bible studies last week. Or it doesn't stop because you missed your quiet time yesterday. It, just, it doesn't stop. This is the truth. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I want you to get this in your spirit. I never want you to forget it. Don't ever be tempted by the devil to forget or reject this eternal truth that God says about you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Yeah. Full stop. Period. No asterisk. Huh, except for you or except for what? No, this is the truth from God's perspective. And it changes fundamentally who you are. You have the spirit of God living in you. And so because of this, you, you have a different kind of a graciousness that emerges when you're confronted with somebody's ugliness. You have the spirit of God living in you. And so there's a capacity for kindness that you're not making up. It's flowing. You have the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. And so when you see somebody who's hurting, something inside of you awakens with the knowledge that you bring a current from the throne room of heaven that could possibly bring the, the comfort and healing they need. You have the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead living in you. And so you, you step into the, the, the work environment with a spirit of excellence about you. And, and you bring the very best. And you're not doing shoddy work. You're doing work that shines with the glory of God. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. And so you step into that classroom with creativity and passion and love for those kids. You have the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead living in you. And so when you come onto the job site, you come with the carpenter anointing of Jesus on you so that you are one of the master builders in the end. Do you hear what I'm saying? This changes the reality. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I, I will never get tired of pronouncing that over my life and yours because it's the truth. It is the game changer truth. It is what sets you apart. It is what allows you to be lifted when others are falling. Do you hear it? Say amen. amen. This is what the truth is about you. But I, I want to keep reading Romans 8, 11 again and following. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Let me read that last sentence again. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I think maybe there's a few of us who know a thing or two about what it feels like when the sinful nature starts urging. Yeah, we, we are, on one hand, we're forgiven. All our sins, past, present, and future, we're saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're made brand new. And then at the same time, the Holy Spirit here is addressing this reality that there are urges 
that come up, that, that rise up, that, that we have, that we wrestle with. And sometimes the urges are strong and we almost even feel like they are an obligation, like the New Living Translation here says, an obligation. Like, I just have to do that because I have this feeling inside of me that I want to and I just have to. It's like almost an obligation. But God is here saying, no, that's simply not true. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it. And you have a way that you can live above the urges that come from what here is called the sinful nature, what in other parts of this uh, Romans is called the, the flesh. You get to live in a different way. You, you don't only have the lifting power of the Holy Spirit in you so that you can rise in victory uh, in so many different kinds of ways, but you also have the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead living in you so that you can rise in victory over sin. This is truth. It's truth. The sinful nature or the flesh has urges. Like, for example, somebody does you dirty and then you just feel uh, anger inside towards them. And the sinful nature or the flesh urges you to just give in to that anger, just, just burn that fire a little hotter. That's right. She was so wrong in what she did, and don't you forget it, and I'm not going to forget it, and you better just go after her, and, and you go after her, and you just start hurling insults and curses at her, and, and, and brother, you just start getting all up in your chest like this, and, and you even start throwing fists. I mean, you give into it all the way. The flesh urges that. That's the flesh. That's the sinful nature, and it's there. It's there. God, your father, looks at you from a prophetic perspective, and he sees you in your glorified perfection that you will certainly live in one day. And he sees you that way, but he also recognizes where you may be right now. He's always drawing you further towards himself and his likeness, even though you might be some distance from that in this moment. And so he says, you have no obligation to, to give in to, to follow the urgings, the promptings of the sinful nature. The sinful nature shows up like this. Uh, something happens, somebody says something, and you just get offended. And then that offense just sinks in, and you just, you just work on that offendedness. You just, I'm more and more offended. And you keep holding on to that uh, offense until deep within you, it just becomes like the nasty nectar of bitterness. And then you just offer that beverage to anybody who's willing to take a drink. Let me tell you about how terrible she is. Let me tell you about how awful he is. Want some? Then you can feel like I do. Like, sinful nature prompts that. It's an urging of the sinful nature. I want other people to join me in. But that's not from the spirit that would lift you. That's from the sinful nature. It's from the flesh. The sinful nature of the flesh it begins to feel a sexual urge. I just, but I want that, and I want to do it that way, and I want to do it with that person, and I want to do it in, in this timing now. And, and the and this sinful nature of the flesh just gives in and goes for it. it. says, I don't care about anything in the Bible about what I should or shouldn't do with my sexuality. I'm just doing whatever I want. That's, that's the flesh. It's the sinful nature. And for too long, many of us have put a bumper sticker on our life. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. And we, we believe that. And we think that that gives us a license to say, I just do whatever I want because, you know, after all, I'm just a sinner. What would you expect? But all the while, God in his word is saying, you're not just a sinner. I paid too great a cost for you to just stay just a sinner. You were a sinner when I found you. 
and I freely gave you my gift of salvation, but I'm growing you, daughter. I'm rising you up, son. Let's go. And, and you do not have any obligation, the scripture says, to live according to, to the flesh. I am someone different. I'm someone different. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. And that's the main idea of my message today. I want you to get that into your heart. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. I want you to just say it with me one time. Say it. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. One more time. Say it. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. That's who I am. You can do your life differently because of who you actually are. And if you would embrace at the deepest level that this is the truth about you, you are a spirit-led loved child of God, then you would begin to, to recognize in every moment you have power, you have authority, you have agency, you, you have an ability to do something different. You don't have to coast on sin's autopilot right into the garbage pile. You don't have to do that. That's what the Bible I've read just said to me. You are under no obligation, it said. You are not under any obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Romans 8, 13, let me keep reading. It says, for if you live by its dictates, the sinful nature, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What the scripture said, if you live by its dictates, dictate is like dictation, like it's talking to you. And it almost feels that way sometimes. Like in a moment, something inside of you is just talking to you going, I just want that. I just have to have that. And I don't think I can do anything other than just get it now. And it dictates. Did you like my little sin voice? Did that hurt anybody's feelings? I hope not. <laughs> but this was, this was, this was, so many of our experiences just going along with that voice and just doing whatever. And what I want to ask you to learn to do is recognize your, your agency, your empowerment, your capacity given to you because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is, is living in you. And in real time, moment by moment, pay attention. If I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God, then I want to live in that spirit-led reality. Here's what I discover. I discover that in every moment, I'm led by something. And the question is, what am I going to be led by? Who am I going to be led by? Let me paint a picture. So a few, a few weeks ago, I wanted, uh, I wanted some Cholula hot sauce. I, I was having eggs and rice, and I wanted the Cholula hot sauce on. That's one of my favorite things. Actually, that's what I'm having today for my birthday after church. <laughs> but I wanted this Cholula hot sauce, so I went down to the Ralph's just up the street, and I, I, I ran into Ralph's, and I got the bottle of, I got a couple of them just so I could have an, an extra one in the back of the cabinet for next time I get into this conundrum. But I got the Cholula hot sauce, I put it in the cup holders in my truck, turned on the truck, and I uh, just threw it into reverse and just like hit the gas pedal to get out of there. I wanted my eggs and rice with that Cholula hot sauce. And I just threw it into reverse and I just backed out of my parking spot, hit the gas, and then I heard the, that deafening, sickening crunch sound of metal panels being crumpled underneath the back of my truck. 
And I didn't even need to look. I mean, I felt it. <laughs> that feeling, you know. And I didn't even need to look, but I did. And I got out, and there behind me was a cute little uh, Honda Civic, just sort of like underneath the back of my bumper. <laughs> and this woman's just shaking her head. And all because of why? All because I was being led by something. I was being led by, mm, I just want that hot, hot sauce. I want it now. I want it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to have it the way I want it. I'm going. I don't care. And I was being careless. I was being led by my own cravings and just whatever I wanted, and I was being led by my own carelessness. I, I did not take any care for the unintended consequences of what might happen in that moment. I didn't care. I just want my hot sauce, want it now, throw it in reverse, boom. And now this lady, she's sitting there shaking her head. She's going to spend 10, 15 hours of her life wasted going to body shops and talking to insurance companies because of me. Because of my being led by my carelessness, being led by my own cravings, rather than paying attention. Oh, this is just a word picture. But in your life, you'll be led by something. And if you simply allow yourself to just be led by whatever cravings you happen to have that come from your sinful nature, the likelihood is that they're not going to end up being harmless. And we, 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 we think to ourselves, yeah, this isn't going to hurt anybody. I'm just, this is just for me. Nobody's even going to know. It'll be all right. It's a lie. It's a lie. People get hurt when we step into sin. That's right. It's only a matter of degree That's right. and timing. And so I want to be who God's word says I am, a spirit-led, loved child of God. Right. I am. I am this. You are this. A spirit-led, loved child of God. And so the implication is, Recognize, in any given moment, I'm going to be led by something. So while moments are unfolding, allow yourself the discipline in your life to step back and look at what's going on. Pay attention. Because responding to leadership requires paying attention. For, for me to be spirit-led, I need to check in with, well, what is the spirit leading in this moment for me to do? And if I feel an urge or an impulse, and if I can just for a moment stop and say, but Holy Spirit, what do you say? He's going to lead me in a better way. And it will be because it's who I am. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God that I can step into this. And, and this is really what God wants for every single one of us. Galatians 5.16 says it like this. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Let me put that up on the screen. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. I want... It's a nice shirt, dude. Okay. Then, then you won't be... Say it with me. Ready? Go. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's try it again, and they're going to click it on really quick while we're reading it together. Ready from the top? Go. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Part of the, the journey in our lives as Christians is to learn to distinguish and follow the leading of the Spirit. And it, it is, there's an art to it. There really is. There's an art to it. It, it requires something of us. For me, it, here's an analogy. About 18 years ago, I wanted to learn to do paragliding. And so I went to Torrey Pines Glider Port, 
which is where I got my license to be a paraglider. But paragliding is, it looks like a parachute, but it actually is a wing and you, you leave the ground and fly up. You, you come to the edge of a cliff and you jump off the cliff and you're hanging beneath a kite and the wind catches you and you fly up. I love it. It's my sport. It's what I love to do. But uh, when I was first learning, you better believe the very first time you're about to jump off a cliff, it, you feel some feels. And you don't know what you're doing. And so here's what happened. I needed to learn how to do this. But what they did is they strapped a radio onto my chest. Because once you, you, you step off that cliff, you're just a dude hanging from a kite with no clue. And so this radio strapped to my chest was connected to the, the instructor who's on the ground watching my every move. And so what happened was that the first time I flew at Torrey Pines Glider Port, I, 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 I walked towards the edge of that cliff, and then the wind caught me before I even got to the edge of that cliff. And before I knew it, whew, my feet are off the ground, and I'm over the edge of the cliff looking at the... I'm, and you know what I said? I said, oh, 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 just like that. That's what I said. Exact words, verbatim. And then I'm just going, I don't have any clue what I'm doing. I'm kind of shaking. I'm kind of nervous and excited. And then I hear a voice. And the voice says, pull the right riser, John. And I'm just, I'm just, don't, I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. And I heard it louder. Pull the right riser, John. And then I pull that thing. And I turn to the right. Not that hard, John. Let it up. Anyway, for about a, a couple of hours, this continued, this voice, just allowing me to know what to do. And after a while, he didn't need to call out every single move because I had learned some of the basics at that point. And, and this, this voice would call out the big ones, like when I was about to crash with another paraglider pilot. <laughs> in your walk in following Jesus and being a Christian, it is the truth about you that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And what you grow to do is to pay attention to his leading in your life. And this is who you are. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. I want you to say it again with me. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. This is who we are. And it's because it's who we are that there's integrity and in just simply doing it, learning it more and more. And it's not so much like an on or off switch as much as it is a bit more like a, like a dimmer where there's some gradient to it. What it means to follow the Spirit's leading in our lives. And when we do, when we do lead, follow the Spirit's leading, amazing things begin to happen. I mean, just think about the, the Scriptures, right? And, and if you just trace through a couple of the big moments in Scripture, the Spirit's leading led to amazing things happening. It was the Spirit who led Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go off to, to Canaan, the promised land to create a place for what we would come to know as the people of God. It was the Spirit who led Moses to go down into Egypt to rescue God's people out of slavery. And after they got out of slavery, there was this woman, Miriam, who when they crossed the sea, she was led by the Spirit to write the first worship song in Israel. It was the Spirit who, who led Joshua, speaking to him, saying, be very strong and courageous. I will be with you wherever you go. It was the Spirit who led Deborah when she was leading Israel to anoint Barak so that they could go and conquer King Shishak and take back the land. It was the Spirit who led Jael to drive a tent peg through the enemy's skull so they could win. Yeah, some things in the Bible just blow your mind. 
mind, especially that dude. He got his mind blown for real, though. It was the Spirit of God who led the people of Israel by fire and by a cloud. It was the Spirit of God who, when you get to, uh, to, to the days of the prophets, who, who spoke to Samuel and said, I want the one in the back. His name is David. Nobody thinks of him the way I do. It was the Spirit who led God's people to embrace the Messiah Jesus when he said, come, follow me. It was the Spirit who anointed Peter one day after the resurrection to look at a, a a guy who couldn't walk and say, I have what I give to you. Get up and, and take your mat and walk. It was the spirit who led Paul to leave Jerusalem and, and Israel and everything he had ever known to go to Antioch and then to Greece and, and to lead to, to Rome eventually where the nation and the world was changed. It was the spirit. In all of these, it's the spirit who leads. So it's not only about conquering sin. It's also about destiny. It's about the things that God has in mind for you that you can't even imagine yet. But that if you would pay attention to the leading of the Spirit, you will, yes, 101 is learning to live more and more in victory over sin. But the Spirit of God leading wants so much more in and through you. It's, it's what you're made for. And the Spirit is also just as much for, for the everyday and the ordinary. It is the Spirit that would lead you to stay faithful to that woman. Amen. It is the spirit who will lead you to stay faithful to that man even though. It is the spirit who gives you an empowerment to keep showing up in your workplace and bringing your best even when they're not doing right by you. It's the spirit. It is the spirit of God who is anointing you with creativity and ideas for what needs to be built in and through your life. It is the spirit who leads you to cut off generational curses and say, hey, that ends. And with my kids, it's different. It is the spirit who leads you to live a different kind of life. I want you to be who you really are. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. It's, it's who you really are. I want to keep going in Romans 8, verse 15. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God is passionate about seeing to it that you embrace a right sense of your own identity. He wants you to know who you really are. And you know what? For many of us, part of our struggle in this life has been because identifiers and labels have been placed on us that weren't an accurate reflection of what God says about us. Some of those labels and identifiers were, 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 were stuck upon us by people that should have loved us well when we were kids. And they said this about us and they called us that and it caused us to feel that we had no value. That's right. And then we lived with shame. And then in other times, identifiers were placed on us, maybe even by people that, that we work with. And, and that label, that identifier was a mischaracterization of you but it made an imprint and it caused you to hang your head and, and not bring your best and rise and show who you really are. 
But God is forever saying, let me speak something over you. That is false, and that label is being ripped off right now. That which left you to feel worthless is a lie from the pit of hell. That which left you to feel condemned is a lie from the pit of hell. That which left you to feel that you were nothing but shameful is a lie from the pit of hell, and it goes now. And God says, let me speak my identifier over you. You are my beloved child, fully adopted as my very own adopted as sons. And in the Roman culture, what this meant is you have every right exactly the same as the natural born child. 100%. This is who you are. God wants you to get this, that you are a loved child of God. It's not about whether you feel like it today or not. It's not about whether you have felt like you've personally checked enough boxes to measure up to deserve that love. It's just simply his reality for you for all eternity. You are a loved child of God, adopted as his very own. Your identity matters. And and you need to deal with the false identifiers that you've laid hold of or have laid hold of you. The world that we live in is passionate about putting identifiers into our lives. Like, I mean, for a lot of us, it might be even something as simple as like the clothes that we pick out. Like we're, we're thinking about this jacket or that jacket, and this jacket is cheaper, but that jacket, man, it has those three little lines on it, and it says the North Face. <laughs> I haven't climbed a mountain in 10 years. Doesn't matter. I am the North Face. Like all of a sudden, if I buy that jacket, I'm skiing in the Swiss Alps and on the North. That's me. I want to be that. And so we, we, we take things on. We, we bring things into our lives according to the association with identity that they kind of seem to purvey to us. Right. That, and it happens all the time. It happens in weird ways. The other day I was in Target. It was a couple months ago now, but I was in Target, and I just wanted to go in there and get some deodorant. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there in the deodorant section, and I'm overwhelmed. Does anyone remember the good old days when it used to be like there were like two kinds, like that one or that one? And, and now I'm standing there. I'm literally overwhelmed. There's 19 million different kinds of deodorant. And it's not anymore just about whether you want this smell or that smell. Now it's about the identity that you're going to have. I'm talking about the old spice deodorant section. Some brother in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. You stand there and you're staring down all of these identities. And it's not just about what smell. It's about which identity do you want to take on. Like, do you want, do you want the Kraken guard? Do you want to be the Kraken guard? Like, and, and then the, the line on the advertising for this one, it says, the most sniff-worthy tentacles in all the land emerge from the open ocean, smelling like the magnificent beast that you are. I want that. I want to be that. <laughs> or, or wait, hold on. Maybe I want the, I want the dragon blast. What kind of man do I, I want to be the dragon blast, man. I kill dragons. That's who I am. That's what I do. Or, or wait, do I want bear glove? Bear glove. Yeah, bear glove. And the advertising line on this one says, the ladder of success is slippery unless you're wearing bear gloves. <laughs> I want bear glove. That's who I am. Or will it be uh, Mamba King? Mamba King. Yes, Mamba King. And, and it says on the back, confidence is king until it's overthrown by Mamba King. Hey, I want that guy. Or is it going to be Wolfthorn? Wolfthorn. Yeah, that's my identity. Wolfthorn. Uh, it says that use the, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's overwhelming. I'm standing there, and, and by the way, if you're going to give me 19 different types of deodorant, I'm going to open every single cap and take off the plastic. I'm sorry, I am that guy. But, by the way, Dragon Blast. Okay, just the same. 
It's biblical. It's in the book of Revelation. Like we kill those dragons. <laughs> but I was just thinking, man, all of this to try to create a sense of identity, to try to get me to loop my own sense of identity in with it, it's such a powerful thing. And all the while, God from all eternity is speaking over you, daughter, son, you're my beloved, and that's enough. You're a child of God, loved by your heavenly Father, and that's enough. You are adopted into the family of God, and for all the eternity, you belong to your heavenly Father, and that's enough. And so the Romans here says, and by that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me, let me, let me just ask you to look at it in the NIV for a second. It says it a little differently in NIV 8.15. It says, the spirit that you received does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. This is Romans 8, now verse 16. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Abba, Father. Would you just read that last part with me? By him we cry, Abba, Father. One more time, say, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. It is the spirit of God living in you that raised Jesus from the dead that bursts out with a heart cry, Abba, Father. We cry out. We cry out to God. And think about this for a moment. For thousands of years, we as human beings have had within us a cry for God. And over the years, the scriptures have given us words to identify that cry, to carry that cry from our heart. And if you've ever studied the Hebrew names of God, you know that throughout the Old Testament in particular, there's this multitude of, of ways to cry out to God. Like you might start at the very beginning of the Bible and cry out, oh, Elohim. Oh, Elohim. And if you were Adam and Eve, you might have cried out this way. Oh, Elohim, the God who is the self-existent one. Elohim. Or oh, Elolam, the one who is the beginning and the end. I cry out to you. Or I cry out to you, oh, El Shaddai, God who is almighty, because I need your force and strength in my life. Or I cry out to you, oh, El Roi, the God who sees. I need you to see what's going on with me right now, because it's hard. Or I'm crying out, oh, El Kana, God who is a consuming fire. I need you to come like a consuming fire and burn off this garbage that's got onto my life. I'm crying out, oh, Jehovah Jireh. My provider, I'm needing your provision in my life. I cry out in this way. I cry out to you, oh, Jehovah Rapha, God, my healer. I need you to touch my body and heal me. I, I cry out to you, oh, Jehovah Nisi, God, whose banner of victory reigns over my life. I cry out to you, oh, Jehovah Shalom. I, I need you, Jehovah Shalom. I cry out to you for your peace to carry me through this trouble. I cry out to you, Jehovah Tsuri. God, my rock, to be the stability when everything's falling apart. I cry out to you, Jehovah Shammah, Lord who is there, the one who's just there and not leaving me. I cry out to you, Jehovah Tzidikenu, the Lord, my righteousness, our righteousness, because I don't feel like I got much righteousness of my own. I cry out to you. And all of these are so magnificent, like magnificent and brilliant identifiers that we could cry out to God with. 
But then we get to this place in the New Testament where something that was revealed through Jesus, even Jesus in Mark 14, 26, it says that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane in his suffering, and he cried out in that moment, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. But Jesus had this kind of relationship with God where the cry wasn't so sophisticated and we're invited here by the Spirit in Romans 8, 15, and 16 to cry out the exact same way. And the cry sets all the sophistications aside and no Hebrew learning required. It's just, Abba, Abba. Could you just say it? Abba, Abba. And there's no more simple word. It's the most simple description of a relationship between child and a father. And this expression is for a father that one trusts and knows to be thoroughly good and with whom you're safe through and through. Abba, Abba. By the Spirit, you have that kind of a relationship with God. You do, where you could just know him as Father God, and maybe even if you understand this word correctly, Daddy. Daddy, daddy. I remember when each of my kids reached a certain point. I have three of them, but I remember, especially with my firstborn, many of you as parents, you, could, you can relate to this. Where the first few months, there's just like, hmm, oh, yeah, ooh, kinds of sounds. But I remember it. I remember it, the moment when, when, when he began noticing me and recognizing me as the one he's depending on in addition to his mom. <laughs> but I, I'll never forget the, the first time those syllables were uttered, and he's looking at me, and that, that. And it was a reflection of the fact that he, he knew he, he's totally safe with me, protected by me. He doesn't know anything else. He doesn't know about a Mr. Hansen. He doesn't know about a Pastor John. He doesn't know anything other than that, that, that. Appa. It's the same expression. It's, it's that simple. There's something almost primordial about it. And it's really what God wants for you and me, is to be able to set the sophistication aside where we have to measure up to so many different kinds of religious concepts, but instead to come into the simplicity of a, of a totally helpless infant <laughs> that barely knows anything except I know this. That, that. Appa. This is the invitation from God that you could live that way, live that kind of, live that kind of life. And Romans 8, 17 says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. I want to read that all again. Verse 17, one more time. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I'll say more about the suffering next week, but I want to talk about what it means to be an heir. When you were adopted as a daughter or a son of God, you were brought into the family of God with the same standing as the natural born son, Jesus. And the scripture says you're co-heirs with Jesus. To receive an inheritance is to receive something for which you didn't do anything. 
to, to have an inheritance is simply to receive something that was provided for you and not by any of your work or your effort at all. And you are a co-heir with Jesus. Hallelujah. This is just mind-blowing to me. And, and it says, and you'll share in his glory. Do you hear that? You will share in his glory. In Philippians 2, it describes how Jesus came into this world, but in order to come into this world, he left his glory, talking about the perfection of heaven itself. And now, because of Jesus doing that, you get to step into his glory, the glory and goodness of heaven itself. It should blow your mind. You, you should think about this, and something should come to mind, like, if you don't mind me walking over here, we do prophetic art most of our weekends, and like someone else might just sing a song. Sorry I'm in the dark over here. I didn't give any warning on this one, but maybe they can, maybe they can at least see the picture. And this is just a prophetic picture. But what I see in this prophetic picture is it's almost like an invitation to understand what heaven could be like. There's, there's no decay. There's beauty. There's peace. There's calm. And it's just there for you to look forward to. And it is meant to give you a sense of anticipation. You get to have your sin forgiven. You get to experience life in the forgiving grace of Jesus here on planet Earth. For whatever length of time, you get to live with his power, but you also get to look forward to the hope of the glory that you one day will step into. And if you let it, it should stir something inside of you, stir something good. I remember being, I think, around uh, 10 years old or so, and my sister and I would get the mail from the mailbox that was right in front of our house, usually after school, because we were the first ones home. And I remember one moment getting the mail and bringing it inside. And, and this one, I happened to have the same name as my dad. So the, the thing was addressed to John Hansen, and I opened it up. And it was a letter from the Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. And the letter said, John Hansen, you have won $10 million. And when you're 11, you don't even need to read anything else. I just took that, I, read, I saw that, and I took that letter, and I found my sister, and I brought her outside, and I said, look, we won $10 million. Like, and I think, that, you know, we had probably had some struggles on the financial front in our family at that point or whatever, but this was like the best news ever. And all, all of a sudden, just reading this, that we were going to be receiving $10 million, we were literally, I remember it, dancing around in the grass in our front yard, like hooting and hollering and waving this letter around, like, $10 million, <laughs> we're going to be a millionaire or whatever. It was just so ridiculous. And, and then later, you know, my parents coached me on, it. there's another word there called if. <laughs> if you have the winning number, and if you subscribe to enough of these magazines, which I did, all kinds of magazines and books started showing up, because I wanted the $10 million anyway. In, in God's word, there's a promise given for you to look forward to something. And what you get to look forward to is the hope of heaven itself. In Ephesians 1.3, it says this. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. You have an inheritance. And you have an inheritance for one day when you die to step into glory, but that inheritance begins to infuse your life even in the here and now.
That inheritance includes the favor of God resting on your life. That inheritance includes the protecting hand of God coming into your life in the here and now. That inheritance includes angelic protection being assigned to you in your life. That inheritance includes power to give your best in this world because you're being infused with something from on high. That inheritance includes it includes authority over the demonic realm. All of this is yours in Christ. And I want you to just remember who you are. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. I want you to say it with me one more time. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. If you've put your trust in Jesus, it's true. And there's only a matter of degree to which you begin to experience more and more of it, this reality led by the Spirit, loved through and through, child of God. I want you to pray with me for a moment. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you you've spoken to us today. And for some of us, you've reminded us. It's like you've been waking us up. It's like you're grabbing hold of us and waking us up. And, and this is what I see while I'm praying. It's like as though the Father is going, snap out of it. Snap out of it. That's not who you are. That's what is happening in the spirit right now. God is literally like a good dad grabbing hold of you and shaking you with love and tenderness and saying, come on, snap out of it. That's not who you are. It's time to get out of that fog. This is what I see God doing. He's literally taking somebody right now and he's taking you by the hand and he's pulling you. You've been caught in this fog of believing a bunch of garbage. And God's saying, I'm not leaving you there anymore. Let's go. Come on. And he's pulling you out of that fog of lies. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you'd keep doing this work of your spirit. And I pray, Father, for someone else right now, God, that you would bring a spiritual awakening that would lead to salvation in Jesus. While we're praying together, uh, you know, earlier in the service, I asked a number of times, like, have you said yes to Jesus, then say amen or raise your hand. And so many people did, but you're sitting here right now or you're joining online right now and you're saying, I, I don't know if I could raise my hand about that. I don't know if I, I don't know about that. I want you to know. I want you to know that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven when you die and that you get to live with power from the spirit of God living in you here and now. I want that for you. I, I can't force it on you and God doesn't force it on you, but he offers you in a moment like this, an opportunity to once and for all turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you and save you. And I want you to, I want you to do it. I want you to turn to Jesus. Somebody, this is the moment you need to once and for all turn to Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for a spiritual awakening right in this moment, right now. God, I pray that uh, you would do that awakening inside of uh, one, one or two of us, maybe more, but God, right now, if you're, if you're praying with me right now, you hear me praying and you're saying, I have a lot of questions still, but I think I, I think I want this. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save me. If that's true about you and you would say, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know that I'm forgiven and that I'm, I'm saved and that I'll have the hope of heaven and the power of God for here and now. If that's true of you, if you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus and ask him to forgive me and save me, right now I want you to raise your hand up really high. Like right now, it's your way of finally, and keep it up so I can connect with you. Right in the middle, I see both of you. Keep it up for a moment, thank you. Is there anyone else? I just want to not miss you. If you're saying, I want to finally say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sin and save my life. In the back in the chapel on my left, thank you. 
anyone else. I don't want to miss you. This is it. This is a, a, a moment where you are turning a corner in your life. And there, once and for all, you're saying, yes, Jesus. Over, way on my right over here. Thank you. That's excellent. Thanks for raising your hand and letting me know. And then with your hand raised, I want you to pray with me for a second. If you're online, you can pray with me too and just type in, I want to give my life to Jesus. And pray with me and say something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it one more time, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I turn from my sin, I repent, and I turn to you, Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me and save me. Just say it to him, Jesus, forgive us, forgive me, save us, save me. Just cry out to him, Jesus Christ, forgive me and save me. I give you my life. Just say that to him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I'm asking you to come and touch me and heal me and lift me up, set me free. Heal us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of new life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, our, our ministry team is coming by. To those of you who had a hand raised, we want to give you a Bible and just pray with you and make sure that you get off to a great start with Jesus. But I want you to take a moment, a moment longer to just linger in God's presence. Just take a deep breath with me for a second and... God, I pray for a release, an impartation, a, a flow of healthy identity in Christ into every one of us. That we wouldn't feel bashful about saying, I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. That every single one of us would be able to confidently know this is the truth about us. Whether we've been real good lately or not, it's just the truth from all eternity because of Jesus. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. I want you to pray with me. Say that out loud again. Say it. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. Another deep breath. Deep breath. Like this is just where you get to rest at every turn, no matter what happens. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. Things start going crazy in, in, your, in your circumstance, in the world around you. I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God. I have power, I have authority, I have strength, I have a lifting love rising up in my life, I have hope, I have spiritual vision, I have insight, I'm a spirit-led, loved child of God, and I'm paying attention to what's leading me. God, I pray for a release of that into many of us, a new empowerment to pay attention to what would be trying to lead us. Thank you, Jesus, that your power is great in us and that your spirit is great in us. God, I pray that your spirit would be in full measure, in increasing measure, like never before in some of us. And God, I pray that even in this moment, that, Lord, you would do a, a, a restoring work. I believe that there are a number of you, you came today and you don't even know why you came to church. You feel, uh, your, your heart has felt cold and distant and shut down towards God, towards church, but here you are. And God is breaking the ground today. He's breaking up the stony ground right now. And so, Lord, I pray that in that place, a, a river of your spirit would come and do the softening work. I believe that there's others of us that need the touch of God in our physical bodies. For somebody here, you just got a, a diagnosis of cancer, and they want to jump into an emergency surgery in, in a week or two. And maybe that is exactly what should happen. But right now, I want to pray for you for healing. If you have received a diagnosis for cancer, 
uh, while we're all praying together and you want the touch of God on you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand if you have received a diagnosis of cancer. We're going to pray for you. You just raise it up highest. And if you see that person nearby, we just want to pray. And there's also probably a number of people that aren't even here because of that. They're joining online. God, we pray for your healing power to come to any person who's been diagnosed with cancer. For somebody here, it, it, you have a friend of yours or a family member of yours who's gotten a diagnosis of cancer. I want you to take this as though it, as though it was something that you could carry to them. And, and I bless you in Jesus' name to pray with faith for healing and comfort and God's presence and power to manifest over and above cancer. Take it, run with it. Father, we cry out by the Spirit, Abba, Abba, Abba. Calling on my Abba Father, who gives me power to live in freedom. I know your love is my reward forever. I want you to just stand up to your feet. I want you to cry out, Abba, Father, with me today. We're going to cry out, Abba, Father, and let our love for him, our dependence on him be known. I'm calling on my Abba, Father, who gives me power. Who gives me power to love in freedom. I know that your love is my reward. I know your love is my reward forever. Thank you, Lord. I'm calling on my Abba Father. Sing it out. I'm calling on my Abba Father. Who gives me power to live who gives me power to live in freedom. I know your love is my reward. I know your love is my reward forever. I know your love is my reward forever. I know, I know your love is my reward forever. I know it. I know your love is my reward forever. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. Sing it out. Now I need you. 